on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Bing releases part of their secret ranking sauce, and it makes total sense. Facebook's new algorithm will favor original reporting. Kind of. Pocahontas' husband is abandoning carts all over the internet. And Shep needs to pull the plug at buying that backyard oasis vermin bath. Watch us on YouTube to see Greg fall out of his chair in the name of love. Oh, on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. A proud part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Christine Zernheld. AKA Shep. I'm Jess Budd. And I'm Greg Finn. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on July 3rd, 2020. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news show each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join in the conversation, just hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere. So how's everyone doing? We're headed into this nice long holiday weekend. Are you guys excited? Super. Very. (laughs) What's going on at your house, Greg? Oh, man. So any listener for more than three months might have known, I think I might have been on the last cruise that made it home safe. Mm -hmm. SS Corona. The SS Corona, exactly. (laughs) I made it back home and I'm like, whew, great. Never going on a cruise again. My wife, on the other hand, keeps trying to get me to go on another cruise. And I can't think of a worse idea in the world than going on a cruise. And she's like legit serious. She's like, well, here, we can go this in in December. And I'm like, listen, wife, there's literally nothing I'd rather do less in the world than get stuck on a boat. There's still people out there at sea on a boat. So what do I do? How do I get out of this? Well, there are really good deals right now, right? That's the problem, That's the problem. You can go go on a 150-day cruise for $37. And didn't she want to go originally just to like make fun of other people and be like, this cruise is terrible. She (laughs) wanted to see how Americans vacation. And I'm like, well, now she knows. Now she's Kool-Aid. What about you, Jess? That's crazy. So I had an incident this week, of course. Um, I was blow drying my hair and there was this loud pop and I was looking at myself in the mirror, obviously, and I saw sparks, like sparks literally flew. And it was my favorite beauty appliance. Not that I have many. It's like a zebra hair dryer that I've had for like eight years and it blew up and I don't know what happened, but the outlet no longer works. Are you okay? That's actually really terrifying. Yeah, I'm okay, but it was really scary. It was the loudest noise and there were sparks. It was a whole electrical thing, but like Chris went downstairs, my husband, and he flipped the circuit thingy or whatever you're supposed to do and it didn't (laughs) fix. Like the outlet does not work. So we have no um, like nightlight in the bathroom now and I go in there and I realize I am terrified of the dark like is I it a gfi to... outlet or no yeah it's got like the buttons on it nothing is working it's it's that broken i don't even know but i just every time i go in there i just assume there's gonna be like ghosts in the mirror or something that's funny actually because i got my first po- uh post quarantine haircut now that the places are reopening it looks great yeah oh, thanks thanks <laughs> and the girl who does my hair was um using this 500 hundred dyson um, curling iron hair dryer thing on my hair that they sell at QVC. And it's honestly like amazing. Like I need one. So I was trying to convince myself I needed one. And I was like, 
oh, you know, I haven't replaced mine in probably like five years. Like I, I never use mine anyway. And she was like, well, it's fine as long as you're cleaning out the filter. I'm like, yep, never do that. Oh, like, no. oh you're probably going to burn your house down. <laughs> um, how's your home life, Chef? Yeah, so that's about it. We've, uh, we have another bird nest that was coming in on our back porch and we took it down. We took it down like five different times. I c- kind of felt bad about it. And the birds are on to us. So they instead built a nest in the front tree by our bedroom, and they wake me up at 4 a.m. every day. That sounds great. Like a nice little nature alarm clock. No, they know exactly what they're doing. Like, it's nonstop. Like, it's kind of the sing-songy thing. They know exactly what they're doing. They hate me, and they're trying to ruin my life. So that was our little nature corner for the week. And we do have some housekeeping to go over because we are back on YouTube finally. You can find us on the Search Engine Journal YouTube channel. You can search Search Engine Journal with no spaces and you'll see our faces recording from our lovely homes if that's what you're into. We also have broken out our main news stories along with little fun tangents on each of them usually. And we're calling them our Marketing O'Clock Minis. So if you want to get a quick hit of the main news from the week, you can check those out too. Or if you want to share it with a friend. Yes, They're very easy. To easy share. to share something that you picked up here in the main news. My mom loves them. Any other housekeeping? Yeah, just for us, if you are on the iPhone, take 15 seconds, make sure that you uh, give us five stars or however many stars we deserve and leave us a review. It means a lot to us. We read them on the show every now and then, and it helps us out. Who are our sponsors this week? This week's episode of Marketing O'Clock is brought to you by Ahrefs. Ahrefs is an all-in-one SEO tool set that gives you the tools you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. If you want to learn more, check out their blog or YouTube channel for step-by-step SEO tutorials. They have a seven-day trial for only $7, a dollar a day, and you can head over to ahrefs.com to claim that. That is A-H-R-E-F-S.com to sign up. And today's show is also sponsored by Optio. Optio is an extra set of eyes, an extra set of hands even, because they can execute on what you tell them to for your Google Ads account. Optio has fantastic recommendations, alerts, and even scoring systems to tell you what changes may help your clients, what you might be doing wrong, and just give you some extra feedback. It's really like just another human sitting there giving you some ideas, and you should check it out. And you can get that extra set of eyes on your account right now, absolutely free. Optio is offering our listeners a six-week free trial. To claim that, you can go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That is O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J. And thank you to our fantastic sponsors this week. And in general, thanks. First up in the news this week, Facebook updated their algorithm for news content, and it will now favor original reporting. In order to identify which articles are the original, Facebook will look at groups of articles that are related to a similar topic to determine which article is most frequently linked as the original source. So they're basically using all the other reporters as their source to find who the main source is. And Matt Southern pointed out that this could kind of mess some people up because if you're like a local publisher and you're the one to break the news and then CNN picks up the story, people are going to link back to CNN, not you. So it's not necessarily the original content. Like they're saying, it's more just who everyone's linking back to. So for example, like that huge piece of news this week about how Dina Manzo's ex-husband set up that attack on her current husband so that 
you know, and it was like racketeering involved and it was all about paying for some guy's wedding. That original source was Fox News. If you guys Huge were piece of news? Never heard the story. You don't know? I don't even know who this person is. Well, Dino Manzo was the original, one of the original Real Housewives of New Jersey and her sister, oh. Caroline Manzo. They're both married to brothers Manzo, but Dina got divorced and then the whole family broke up and now she's in this new relationship and they like had this crazy story in 2015 and about an attack. And it turns out five years later, we found out it was her ex-husband. I don't know what you just said, Jeff, but I'm with yeah. you. So anyway, Facebook would know that Fox News was the original source because of their, and they would favor that article over E or whoever else picked up the story. And the new algorithm will also demote news articles without, quote, transparent authorship. So new news articles will be reviewed for bylines or staff page on the publisher's website, and it must include the first and last name of reporters or other editorial staff. So if you're a reporter, don't try to go by like your first name only. It's not going to work. So Shep is out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I I guess I think I like the intent of this, but call me old school. It seems like this would only work if you've got some manual aspect to it. How are you like, especially on that, that super local side of things where it's broken and hey, it's Buffalo here but then it becomes a national news story about say there's a problem with protests or something like usually the most popular posts get seen and usually the bigger pages are more popular. I feel like you still need some manualness, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Or I mean, don't a lot of news sources say like as originally reported by, and then they'll credit whoever they got the news from. So I guess we're just hoping that the bigger news outlets would do that. I mean, you would think so. But I feel like there are so many people, and I'm going to throw a little shade here. I think it's due to Google as well. People never link anymore. You rarely see that. And it's because you see this nonsense, like anytime you do this, it's got to be sponsored. It's got to be no follow. It's got to be this. That's why people were just blanket no following their entire sites. And I think people are just like, oh, I'm just going to report the news and I'm not going to link to it. And it's hard many times to get a link back to something from a news side of things because it's just just no, there's no benefit for that publisher to link to you. Facebook is saying there's no manual part of it now. They're just looking at whoever's getting the most links from other articles. That's going to, that's going to, that's going to undermine the little guy. That's going to undermine the little publisher with this, this way. The little publisher that couldn't. That's so sad. Okay. Everybody's favorite thing to come out of 2020 so far. Organic shopping COVID? results. Oh. No. <laughs> favorite thing. Not least favorite thing. Organic shopping results. Murder right? hornets? No. <laughs> and not uh, eagles carrying sharks over the beach either to your point. Asteroids hitting the, the earth? Anyway, organic shopping results are coming to a knowledge panel near you. Google announced this week that the products featured in the knowledge panel results will be shifting to free organic product listings only. And currently they're only sponsored listings. So this is a big move. It's a complete switch. And just like the organic results in the shopping tab, the knowledge panel is going to be powered by product feeds in your merchant center, not by structured data data on your site. So that's important to note kind of sets it apart from other places you might find product information in the SERPs. So like I said, the switch is happening. It's rolling out slowly. Globally, it will be in place by the end of the year fully, but it's a huge, huge opportunity for retailers, especially ahead of the upcoming holiday season, which you think we shouldn't talk about yet, but we totally need to and stay tuned for more on that. I'm into this. I'm also into Google shopping now. I finally actually used it this weekend. So that was a first for me, but Target- What did you think? Just- 
I, I liked it. It actually helped me find something when Target couldn't, because Target's my go-to. Apparently, they don't sell raincoats, which is what I was looking for. They were just giving me like pea coats and blazers, hmm. neither of which are things that I would ever wear, never mind so, being a raincoat. So sounds I like, Google. Sounds like Target missed the mark on that. <laughs> missed the bullseye? They did. Well, they I did. was it trying was not really to be sad. so direct, Shep. <laughs> no, I think I just did a better job. But no, I thought it was great. I, I specifically chose something that was organic in Google Shopping because I wanted to help support this new feature and show them that it's worth keeping. But I found a really great raincoat from O'Neill, which is a brand I thought you could only get at PacSun, and I'm way too old to shop there. But it was a nice coat for a 30-something, and I was really pleased. So yay, Google Shopping. Pac I bet Sun you were so into PacSun back in the day, Jess. Oh, I was. I totally I still would be if I could walk in there without feeling like a grandma, but I can't. Right. I am. So you're still allowed in then, Shep. I'm not going to the mall. Is it even open? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) You couldn't pay me. All right. Next up, one search engine is bringing more clarity to rankings. Bing. They just released Bing Webmaster Guidelines. They run through a variety of things that are helpful for any webmaster out there. But there's one section that made lots of news, a lot of hubbub in the digital marketing community this week. And it's how Bing ranks your content. I love the openness that Bing had here. First off, they had a disclaimer. And there are a lot of disclaimers saying things could change and all that. So by the time you're listening to this in the future, if there's a future, it may have changed a little bit. But they say below is a high level overview of the main parameters Bing uses to rank content. These are listed in general order of importance. But please note that Bing's complex ranking systems use many criteria, yada, yada, yada. But in order of importance, right? That is cool that they gave that that weightedness of it. Love it. And so they went on to say the in the order of importance that they listed, first was relevance, as any search engine should be. Second was quality and, and credibility, which is great. Third, user engagement. And that's where people were talking. That's what they're talking about. Then it went on to talk about freshness, location, and then page load time, right? So it's crazy that that third item is user engagement and that weighted scale of how they rank. And they say, bing, also considers how users interact with search results. To determine user engagement, Bing asks questions like, did users click through to search results for a given query? And if so, which results? Sounds like click-through rate to me. Did users spend time on these search results they clicked it through, or did they quickly return to Bing? That's interesting. Sounds like bounce rate to me. Did the user adjust or reformulate their query? You know, what did they not get served right? The Bing Webmaster Dashboard will provide insights into how users interact with your web pages. I love this. Just a quick disclaimer. 10 years ago, it was sometime in 2010, it was at a show, Barry Schwartz at Search Engine Land had talked to a Bing rep and confirmed that the click-through rate was a metric, but the disclaimer was we have many, 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 many metrics. Now we're seeing user engagement is the third most important thing in this weighted list, which is awesome. It's to me, it's it's great because I think that it would help. How could that not make a better search engine if you're looking at what people are actually clicking through on and you're elevating that? That's no brainer. Step one, if I was making a search engine, I'd elevate what people are clicking on and I'd elevate that domain that people are. But I'm always like, when we're talking through things, we're like, we you need a meta description and you need to have a title tag and forget for a minute the keywords. We'll make sure that everything is in there. 
You want things that people are going to click on because that's just what your site and your pages are for. It's not an intrinsic ranking factor, but it can help people click through. And now you can say it is very important for search engines like Bing and probably Google. So Jess, you've been on sales calls and just client intro calls for what, seven plus years with me now? Yeah, long time. And I've heard you say that before. And that's what I'm going to say all the time. Yeah. I'm like, I, if I had to make it, the Google is much smarter than me. Disclaimer, Google is much smarter than me. So is Bing. They're all much smarter than me. But if I were to make a search engine, one of the things I'd look at is what people are clicking on, what people are engaging with, what people are going through. That is maybe the most valid thing that you have on your engine itself. Like that, what people are clicking on. And for obviously Google's stance is we don't look at, at click-through rate. We don't look at bounce rate. Fine. They might be looking at it in different ways, engagement rates. But I love the fact that I can now say it's important, very important that you consider people engaging. And also don't, this is just time to, to sit back and think like, don't take everything people say as gospel. And if Google's saying click-through rate doesn't matter, bounce rate doesn't matter, we're not going to look at that. Fine. You know what? You should be looking at that. You should be trying to get the highest click-through rate. Think about it as if you're making your own search engine, you should do that. Why wouldn't you do that? You'd want people to click more and that would be how I would make the best search engine is, is surface more things people click on. It's crazy. And that's why I'm also, don't, don't listen to things too. Like when I got all fired up and people probably got mad when I said, don't put a, a Ralph sponsored on a guest blog post if it's helping everything. No, don't do that. If you're writing an amazing post for somebody out there, don't listen to Google about that. They can't patrol things. If you are making an amazing post for, say, social media examiner, if it's benefiting both parties and you're not getting paid, don't say it's paid. This is why people don't link anywhere. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to get into a whole other rant here. But think for yourself, and thank you, Bing. It is, absolutely should be a ranking factor. You should feel validated. I know you don't need to, but you should. You've heard me say this for seven years. Right? I mean, you have said it for so long. He, guys, he's not lying. He literally says that all the time. This is how I would build a search engine. This is important. Now Bing is just backing you up, man. And I'm yeah, going I mean, full Bing now. I'm going I know you are. Bing. And you're Microsoft Edge now, right? Are you still I doing was, that? I can't get my Slack to open into Edge. So I need to figure that out. But I've been ed binging on Microsoft Edge for the past two weeks. It's crazy. I can't. That's a Bing change for you. They're trying so hard to make Microsoft Edge happen with me, and I just can't let it. Can I just say something? Edge, better than Chrome. Can I get all my bookmarks in there and all this it, stuff? It does everything for you. All oh, your really? Everything's saved. All your favorites. Everything saved, port it right over to Edge and just do that and come back next week and tell me that it is a noticeable decline. I actually enjoy when I bing things. I'm like, yeah, it's bing, great. And next up, Google's shopping ad labeling is getting a new look, at least on desktop. So Google's mobile shopping results have an ad label above the shopping ads. And now this is going to be the case on desktop as well. The shopping ads are labeled with a sponsor label above those shop paid shopping results right now. So this is a little, did I explain that right, you guys? So now it says sponsored above shopping ads. And it's going to say on desktop. And now it's going to say ads like it yep. does on mobile. And like it does for most of the ads that you see on desktop that aren't shopping. So all yep. those text ads you see say ad. The only one that didn't before said sponsored for the shopping ads. So consistency, we like that. So this is going to roll out in the main search results in early July, followed by the shopping tab and in image results later on this year. Like I said, I actually really like this because 
We joke around a lot about the ad labeling becoming less and less prominent, and this isn't that prominent, but at least it's consistent. And I noticed recently, I'm kind of liking the paid results more. Like today I was looking for, and I hate myself for it, but like today I was looking for a blow up pool. I'm just thinking about one for my yard, just trying to make a little oasis. <laughs> <For> the birds? <laughs> oh, no, a absolutely not. Now you're making me not want to get one. Absolutely yeah, you get not. more birds that way. It's for me. I was worried about the vermin. I didn't even think about the birds. But anyway, I want a blow up pool in my yard. I was in the shopping tab and the organic results were all like stores I'd never heard of, but the paid ones are like Target and places I actually shop and like Walmart and Amazon. It's like soul crushing, but I keep clicking on the ads anyway. Target had this really cute watermelon one. It was an ad. You don't want a blow up pool. Why not? Why? Because then you got to take care of it. It's going to kill your grass. It's You're going to have birds food. in there. It's going to be a vermin swim party. Like, you don't want that. You don't leave it out when you're not using it, right? I, I think mean, you what? do. You, oh, no, no, no. That's no. what I was thinking. Like, do you dump the water every time? That's what was stopping me. Well, yeah. Are you talking about a kiddie pool? Yeah. Like, oh, like, like a so little gonna... blow up pool. Why don't you just get it like a sprinkler? Okay. Maybe I'll Sometimes. give it. This will be my report back. I'll report back on the pool and Jess can report back on Microsoft Edge. Wow. Yours is so much more fun than mine. <laughs> All right, so we have to talk about the Facebook boycott. It's a thing that's happening in our industry, and we're here to report the news. So for those that don't know, I'm just going to quote Digiday's Christina Manilos here. She sums it up really nicely. She says, over the last week or so, over a dozen big names like Coca-Cola, Ford, Levi's, and more have committed to stopping their paid advertising on Facebook and for many Facebook-owned Instagram for at least the month of July. Many smaller marketers have joined with the number of protesting brands, which now total roughly 350, according to Forbes. She then goes on to say that many of these marketers are joining the Stop for Hate. She then goes on to say, many of those marketers are joining the Stop Hate for Profit campaign. The campaign is meant to push Facebook to do something about the hate speech on its platform by hitting the company where it makes its money, advertising. So that's the scoop. That's what's going on. But just how much money are we talking? I feel like a lot of people are asking that question or at least wondering it. And Digiday reached out to Pathmatics, which is a great name. It's an ad tracking firm. And they have estimates on what advertisers spent on Facebook last July, so July 2019. So just kind of getting an idea of what Facebook might be losing this year. So the numbers are astounding. And again, they're estimates, but they're really specific estimates like to the dollar. So you can check out the article in the show notes at marketingclock.com if you want the full list of brands that they reported on and their ad spends. I've curated a list just for our dear listeners based purely on things that I like, not necessarily the craziest numbers. So <laughs> Honda, for example, I drive a Honda. $205,671 last July on Facebook alone. And Chipotle, because I love a burrito, we've got $283,041. But That's if they a lot pause, of extra guac. It, right? <laughs> or queso, because they do queso now, yeah. which I haven't had yet, but I'm excited about. That was Facebook, though, last year. If they pause Instagram, too, it's a pretty big deal, because looking at what they spent in June of this year, so just last month, it was over a million dollars for Chipotle. And then Target, assuming that I forgive them for the raincoat debacle, spent almost $3 million last July. And then, again, if we're looking at just last month on Instagram, if they pause that, too, over a million was spent there as well. So that's a lot. Of dollars. We were and those are just three this, brands. We were talking about this in our marketing meeting. Like, what's the point of pausing Facebook and not Instagram? There is no point. You got to do both. The other thing I liked is what Zuckerberg had said. It leaked yesterday that he said advertisers will be back to Facebook soon enough. 
And apparently it was a leaked email that he sent out to the staff. Mm. It's like, yeah, advertisers are going to be back. What are your options? That's cocky, though. That's a bad look to get caught saying that. Like, that's uh, yeah, but okay. Right so, that, okay. So, Jess, where are you going to go? Are you going to go to Google Ads where there might not be as much hate like on Google search itself? All the hate is put <laughs> into a ball and fired right off at their advertisers? <laughs> that's where you're going to go? You're going to go to Google Ads? No. I'm not saying I'm going anywhere. I'm staying okay. out of this. Well, I'm well, just Jess, saying cocky, that is, that cocky is you. thing to say. It's you and me that are on Edge, Microsoft Edge. <laughs> So what are you going to the Microsoft advertising? There's not enough people. Like I, love I get what he's saying. He's made a, he's made his decision. And like, I don't, I don't have, have thoughts on his opinion, but I like the fact that he's standing behind what he said. I'm going to let people do this. I don't like any hate speech on there and I don't know Obviously. exactly what's happening, but he's stuck by this decision and saying people are going to be back because I have a good product. Yeah, no, that's fair. And to be fair to Facebook, they did release a statement this week. Basically, Facebook does not benefit from hate was the title of it. And we'll link to it in the show notes. You guys can read that too and decide for yourself. But they did say that zero tolerance doesn't mean zero incidents. So they're acknowledging the fact that it happens. They're not okay with it. But still, the way the way you said that in his leaked email, it just seemed more sinister after you've explained no, it. No, it, it, it did. But, you know, I because I, I went back through, I know Coca-Cola was one of the bigger advertisers that pulled mm-hmm. out of this. And I looked at the ads that they were running and they stopped running. And it was like unity ads. And it was Black Lives Matter ads. And it was all these positive ads. And those are not running anymore. Mm-hmm. And you're using your ads to do good. And then all of a sudden you're saying, now nah, we're just going to boycott it. I get it. You're trying to make them change things. That's fine. That's up to you. I don't think people are going to be leaving for good. It's it's just not gonna. Their platform is too good to leave, and they ca- actually care about the product and the advertisers. And like we saw, they were the first people trying to make anti-discriminatory ads f- years before Google. Years before that, people will be back. I'm, I'm I think he's right in this. They have too good of a product. Should have been a lawyer, Mr. Finn. <laughs> it's it's just common sense. It's common sense. It's common sense. And yeah. I, I to, to be fair, I don't know exactly why everybody's boycotting. I know that it's about the hate speech. I don't know the full extent of it. And I'm not commenting on that at all. They have a good platform, whether you agree with them or not. Now it's time for this week's take of the week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And this week's take of the week comes from Google by way of Keith Aldrich at Keith Aldrich on Twitter. You can go over to Marketing Clock, check out the show notes to see what this little gem, this beauty that Keith found in his account. And this is why I don't trust things. Okay. (laughs) This is why I will never say apply all recommendations. Keith hopped into his Google Ads account when looking at the changes of how changing your CPC will impact your search traffic. He was given a screenshot. And so that's this week's take of the week is a screenshot. And it says, at $75, your current bid for a click, you can expect to get 47 impressions. If you were to move that from 75 all the way down to $14, a huge decline, your impressions would drop from 47 impressions to 24 impressions. So more than half, or not more than half, less than half. (laughs) (laughs) So does that make sense? Like if you cut your bid substantially from 75 bucks to about $15, 
you are going to lose half of your impressions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the other recommendation was if you have, and it's not fair to say it's a recommendation. It is a simulation, right? So Google says, if you want to have your max CPC up from $75 to $919 and 74 cents, you'll go from 47 impressions to 47 impressions. Amazing. That can't be right. And you can hit that and click it and apply. And you will go from $75 max CPC to $919. Amazing. I'm dying to know what the keyword was. Any guesses? I don't know. We'll reach out to Keith and we'll find out for you and let you know next week. But you know what I mean? Like, this is why I don't trust recommendations. Let's increase your budget. Let's increase the, the, you know, like you're going to literally do that. For no (laughs) reason. You do get a few more top impressions. You get four. You get four. Oh, (laughs) you're paying 800 more dollars for one click. Look, it's a hot take. It's a hot take, Google. And I'll also ask Keith if he did it and we'll report back. If he took this take of the week from Google. I'm guessing no. (laughs) Please no, Keith. And now it's time for this week's I See Why Am I. This is just something you might not have seen. Maybe something that you overlooked. But you shouldn't have. Okay, I See Why Am I, everyone. Before there was a global pandemic, before there were murder hornets, before the Mayan calendar ended, there was Alistair McTaggart and the CCPA. And we, well... It was specifically me. I spent a lot of hours talking about this on the show. And David Herman, at Herman Digital on Twitter, condensed the whole thing into a 10-part Twitter thread that does a really good job of summarizing how this is going to affect Facebook ads in particular as it actually went into effect finally on July 1st after all those months of talking about it. Nobody's talking about it now, (laughs) right? No, we nobody haven't. cares about it now. <laughs> no. We're trying. We're just hanging in. We're all freaking <laughs> out about it in January. <laughs> nobody could talk about anything else. We were making up stories about Alistair McTaggart. Now it's here. Where is he? Do you remember that simpler time when everybody's like, "Oh my goodness, the CCPA! <laughs> like this is the worst thing." Man, what I'd pay to go back to those we, times. We were so naive. <laughs> Okay, so he says, if you're running Facebook ads, you're going to start noticing California targeting's performance drop. Why? Facebook is limiting the data you get from, well, me, David, not me, Shep, and other Californians like David. So here's the checklist of if this applies to you. If your yearly revenue is greater than $10 million, if you receive, process, or transfer data from over 50,000 Californians in a year, and if at least 50% of your revenue comes from selling California data. Does that apply to you? A lot of people don't know. That's the best part about this. (laughs) And then David, after saying a few other nasty things about California that I won't repeat because I'm not from there like him, he says, one last thing, the CCPA covers California residents even if they go on vacation to say Missouri. Meaning in your Facebook data, if you have recently traveled to as your location settings, guess what? That California resident buying in Missouri will serve up a zero on Facebook. So I hadn't thought about that. I didn't know that either. Yeah, your location preferences. So I'm assuming that would be the same case on like Google and any other platform, but definitely something to think about and uh, maybe call your lawyer, but this is the best we can do right now. (laughs) Check out that thread. Great job, David. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. 
At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts, paid, organic, and social. This week's paid lightning round is brought to you by Optio. Optio is your go-to tool for anything to do with Google Ads performance. Optio will send you notifications when there have been abnormalities in your account, good or bad. And even the good ones you get are nice. It's like, oh, conversions are way up. You're like, oh, thanks, Optio. Love these emails. And then you see others where like cost has spiked. And you're like, oh, Optio, don't do this to me. But Optio is fantastic because it can give you full tools to show you what happened and how to fix it. And then with one click of a button, you can have those changes implemented by Optio itself. And I'll tell you what, never in all my time have I seen Optio say, here's what will happen if you move your bid from $75 to $919. (laughs) So we co-sign Optio. And if you want to learn more and get a six-week free trial, head on over to optio.com forward slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O.com forward slash S-E-J. And first up in the paid universe this week, Google is testing a new pilot program that allows ads to appear on local business profiles. So businesses cannot opt out or choose the advertisers that appear on their profiles. The ads can appear on both desktop and mobile. So the good news is, from what people are seeing so far, they appear to be ads connected to the small businesses. So for example, if you were a restaurant, your business page might have an ad for ordering online from your restaurant. The bad news is some of these ads redirect to sites like Groupon to place your order where the person might otherwise just be ordering directly through your site or calling your restaurant. And they're also offering Groupon incentives. And I know Greg, Greg Sterling over at Search Engine Land who wrote this has his finger on the pulse, but Jess, you and I have had a client where we've seen this for the past year. Whenever anything was run and there was a Groupon that, that showed up, it would take over as an ad in their, uh, um, on the right side rail with all their mm-hmm. other information. And you couldn't get out of it. And it's like, well then, don't do Groupon, because I always would have to say. People are searching for your brand, they're gonna buy, and now they're buying at a discount. And I don't know why this is a good idea. It's just not. Jess, you, you, you've been right there with me. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think it's a terrible idea. I, I just don't, when you first started talking about the chef, I was afraid that it was just going to be like related ads, like competitor restaurants or something like that. But this is almost even worse. This is like, this is, I am what someone's looking for. Yeah. Why are you going to give them a way to get around me to get the same thing, but it's my listing? Like, I just, it's fine if you want to opt into this and do that, that's fine. But if you can't even opt out, I just think that that's completely unfair, regardless of what they're putting there. But the Groupon thing is just absolutely horrible. And if you see the show up and they're pushing Groupon on your brand name, stop Groupon. That's what you need to do. Stop Groupon. It's the only thing you can do. Group off. So they've tested something similar to this in the past with local ads. But they're saying that these only apply to a, quote, small whitelisted group of advertisers. They're not for local ads. And these whitelisted advertisers so far, Greg Sterling says he's seen Groupon, Seamless, and apparently Caviar. And Cole from our team here at Cypress North, at CJ Soldwish on Twitter, went to add keywords to a custom intent audience in Google Ads this week. And it asked him if he wanted to use Google search keywords are in-market keywords. So this was new to everyone on our team. We thought it was exciting. Um, then some people in the EU were like, this is old news. You're like, okay, let yeah, us Yeah, they're all it. like, those people <laughs> in the EU are all PU with our new news. 
Don't say that about Stephen Johns 21. Oh, he, he said that? No, it wasn't him, okay. but like he's in the EU. He would never. So the search keywords option appears to make a more narrow audience and the in-market ones make a broader one. Like the in-market ones were the original option before you could choose between the two. So we don't have a ton of information on this. So if you know anything, reply to Cole's tweet or let us know. And next up, Taylor Holiday at Taylor Holiday on Twitter found new keyword targeting for Facebook ads this week in his account. This is interesting. So it says ad keywords, guide delivery of your ads to more relevant people in your audience with keywords. And you can add keywords for a product or service categories, brands, including Jasper's Market, product or service names, or other search terms. So... That's new. Yeah, and he's a good follow on Twitter. I really liked. He's kind of got that engagement style, but not the, not the overly blatant where you're like, "What's your favorite quote?" <laughs> hashtag quote like engagement. Like, what what's book was the last book you read? <laughs> he's also yeah. got a great name. Like, no, it is, and he he he, but he actually engages in ways that you should like. He does Twitter really, really, really well. So if you want just another example of how to do Twitter good. So with a name like Taylor Holiday, I feel like you could be a singer or a politician or an actor. He's just choosing to be really good at Twitter. That's great. You just like Taylors. <laughs> Let's be honest. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, like Swift. Yeah, that's fine. I'll take it. <laughs> so we mentioned the California Consumer Privacy Act earlier in the show. Yes. More? <laughs> I mentioned it. I shouldn't say we. I'm the only one who ever has to talk about it. We don't want to talk about it. Sorry. This went into effect on July 1st and really affects all advertisers in the country. So don't think you're immune to it just because you're not in California. A lot of people are really confused about it, even though I've talked about it at nauseum. So Search Engine Land had a webinar yesterday that talked about the CCPA and digital privacy in general. It was hosted by Greg Sterling and he had some other experts join in the fun. That webinar will be posted on their site. So if you're looking for some entertainment over this long holiday weekend, I don't know if you guys have heard, but the Hamilton film is being released. But if you're not into that, if you're not into like the best musical ever, you could check out this webinar and talk about the CCPA. Yeah, or wait until this, you come back to work Monday. This is way more exciting. Who needs fireworks when you guys have a round table CCPA discussion? Love it. And we can always count on power listener Andrea Cruz at Andrea Cruz 92 to spot changes in the LinkedIn ads interface, no matter how detailed they are. So this week she shared some changes to how you can add audiences to a campaign. They switch the order. So audiences are now above audience attributes. So like if you have like remarketing or anything like that, that's more prevalent on a screen than job title targeting. And they also added some fun icons there. If you want to check them out, some, you know, just fun little people and shapes. It's great. So this isn't a huge deal, but they're making a lot of efforts to improve retargeting and this shows that it's something that they're committed to and trying to improve. So that is it for paid. What is going on in organic? Our organic segment this week is brought to you by Ahrefs. That is A-H-R-E-F-S if you don't know about Ahrefs. And Ahrefs is a tool that any webmaster must have in their tool belt. Ahrefs does some of the really nitty gritty SEO things that we need, like backlink analysis, better than anybody else out there. But you can also use Ahrefs to spy on your competitors, see where they're gaining success so that you can find out how they're doing it and do it better. You can experience the glory of Ahrefs, $7 for seven days. That's $1 a day. It is worth it. 
even if you're on the fence, try the $7, seven days, put in, run the reports, save it. And if it's not for you, that's fine. You spent seven bucks. So head on over to hrefs.com. That is A-H-R-E-F-S.com to get that trial today. All right. And first up in organic news, there was a story from the Wall Street Journal about a mystery man that was going in and adding all these products to shopping carts and then disappearing. And this was happening not just to big sites out there, but it was a a small little like baby pod site, like a baby cradle site or something like that. I forget the name of it. Just because they're making things for babies doesn't mean they're small. They're not small. They're not small. But they're they're not an Amazon or wherever you guys shop, like you said earlier. It's a smaller site. And so they saw that there were 73 abandoned carts from somebody named John Smith. And so instantly they're like, well, maybe this is a competitor. Maybe it's somebody trying to mess up my metrics. And I believe the screenshot that they used in the WSJ was of a Shopify interface. And so you can see all the abandoned carts that had happened with people putting this into the cart and then just, just leaving different emails going out. And apparently they're all bouncing back and everything. And this mystery shopper, this John Smith, was actually a Google bot. So mm. Google has been going and trying to verify, and they confirmed this to Wall Street Journal and a search engine land, that they're going to try to verify the prices that are put into this new Google shopping experience. So they want to make sure people aren't putting the incorrect price in a feed or on some of those occasions where you can't list a price may, might, might fall under here. But Google's basically going, adding it to the cart to see if it all checks out. I don't know how to feel about this. I don't like the fact they made a person up. They used emails like john.smith.us2 at gmail.com. That's shady. john.smith.us30 at gmail.com. And like people are paying by the person to email for things like MailChimp. It's like by, by email account that you have. And then you're sending this all out and this just fake. I don't know. I I. I don't really like this. I know Google has to do something to verify that. At the one point, they said there were 17 abandoned carts in three days. And they're actively paying for abandoned cart plugins with X number of, you know, whatever's to, to, to reach out to them. And it's just a fake Google bot. And so I want to just go back and talk about what Google's official stance is on filling out forms. So the last official update was in April of 20, uh, not even, it was 2008. And the crawling team wrote that for text boxes, our computer, and this was when they started saying, we might do these very specific get forms, essentially. So they said, for text boxes, our computers automatically choose words from a site that, that has the forms, like menus, check boxes, and we choose through the values of the HTML. Needless to say, this experiment follows good internet citizensry practices. That is hard to say. Citizensry? But citizenry. This is a word from Google, so I'm That's sure That's a real know. word. I thought everyone was making fun of... George Bush for saying that. I don't know, but they said that they're good internet citizens read practices. We only retrieve get forms and avoid forms that require any kind of user information. Well, it seems like John Smith is user information. That email address, user information. So it was funny, back in, in 2018, there was a Webmaster World thread and Roger Dooley at the time stated, I hope they give Googlebot a credit card to allow successful completion of my order forms. And he like saw into the future because they're filling, they're filling it out. 
that might be the next step. Maybe there's like, hey, let's buy one or two of these just to see if it actually yeah. does that. But I'm picturing some guy like really named George Smith or John, George, <laughs> John yeah, Smith <laughs> at the Google headquarters or I guess now at his house and he has like a nameplate says John Smith. He's like, no, I'm real. <laughs> <laughs> or a poor Pocahontas's husband is just rolling over in his grave like, I didn't sign up for that. Oh, she my married name. John Rolfe. Oh, which one was Mel Gibson? They John lied Smith, in the movie. Right? Yeah. Whatever. Braveheart? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, you're messing with people's metrics when you're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. You've been doing it 73 times for a company on Shopify? I don't like it at all. They no, should, I don't like it either. If they're going to do it, they should have like made a big announcement before and made it like really easy for people to filter it out so they didn't put it into MailChimp or whatever. Yeah, and you should talk to Sp- uh, Shopify ahead of time and say, we're going to do this. We need help. Message everybody. We're going to make sure that Shopify is instantly integrated with this new Google shopping platform, but you know, filter it out this way and so you're not taking up bandwidth for people. Well, anyway, moving ahead here, Google has officially announced something about an integration with Search Console and Analytics. And this is really cool. So in Search Console, you're going to start to see Google Analytics information come through if they're linked, including page views overall, page views of individual pages, average time spent on the site overall, average time spent on individual pages, and um, traffic from like organic versus social versus whatever else. So you'll be able to see those channels. And Barry Schwartz wrote this and had listed some of the things out that were, li- were, that were mentioned. And I just kept waiting to be like, goals, conversions. Are we going to see all this stuff too? He didn't mention that. But um, head on over to the show notes if you want to see everything that's going to happen. It's going to be cool to have that right in Search Console. As you probably can save a couple of extra steps. So I approve this change, Google. I like it. All right, next up from Marketing Land and Greg Sterling the usage of voice has plateaued for now. Dump, dump, dump. But compared to past growth, the 2020 survey is showing flat to declining usage of voice search. And they talked about how many people use it. There's stats and everything. We're going long today. So I'll kind of breeze through it. But where, where do you guys use voice search? No. And I feel like a lot of people probably use it in the car and they're not in the car right now. I've been driven my I car could say in that. a month. Yeah, <laughs> I think I ask Google to do things sometimes like turn on certain lights in the house or whatever and it thinks I'm searching for something and it gives me results I didn't ask for but I don't actually use it to search for stuff okay well neither is anybody else <laughs> next up is actual big news this probably could be up there for top news but I just hate it so much it's down here and web <laughs> stories for WordPress has launched and it's a Google products amp based and you can tell stories in WordPress on the web. And that sounds confusing. You'll have to actually go through and click through. It looks really cool. When you look at what you can do, it's like these kind of really easy to use themes and you can create imagery, lay text on top of it, and then it'll show up as a story in search and on the web when you do this. I just wonder like who has the time to do this? Like you're you're blogging and then you're storying it in, in WordPress for AMP on Google search. It's like, what, what are we doing here? But uh, so you, I, why do you hate it? Just because those people have more time than you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're not making knives. That's a good point. But shots fired. Or <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
I mean, I just, I'm never like doing a Google search or something and being like, oh, I really would love a story right now. Do you, is that something you're like? I mean, I never would love a story. I don't think I even know what they mean by stories. Like literally like a book. No, it's like actually a story. If you click on that link, it, there's, they have a really cool interface over on GitHub and it lays everything out. There's a lot of animated GIFs that run through how it looks, but it's done right now in WordPress. You can literally drag and drop a photo, start changing it, putting text on top of it, and making something kind of cool that, that shows up in search. Okay, next up, Venmo has business profiles. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. Like you get a page, you get to you know, uh, accept money from all the people on Venmo. Check it out if you're a business. It's kind of geared towards the smaller businesses out there. But if you're somebody that's out going to festivals and all that, this might be for you. And it seems really cool. Don't miss it. Next up, Google Maps has added a large button to some map interfaces. And it says support local businesses. So when you go load your Google map, it's like support local businesses. And you can click on it and it shows things around you like where to eat, where to drink, I guess. But like, what a time to announce this, Google. Shep hasn't driven her car in a month. <laughs> They're not going anywhere. All right, next up, the New York Times is pulled out of Apple News. The Times said that Apple News did not align with its strategy of building direct relationships with paying readers. Good. Pull out of that. If you're trying to actually get subscribers and you don't want to be beholden to Apple News and you don't want Apple News taking the money and promoting everything else and you want people yourselves, good. That's what you should be doing. You shouldn't be relying on Apple News. Make really good stuff. Have a good offering. Get people on your own. I, I get why it's not uh, appealing to be with Apple. Oh my God. Is that an Apple joke? <laughs> All right. And hopefully it's last. I have one more after this. YouTube search has put out a resource on how search works. And there's basically three main elements that are used when ranking the results. Relevance, engagement, and quality. Weird that YouTube uses engagement. Why would you use that as a factor? I don't know, because it makes sense. Anyway, I just love the fact that like on Google search, like eat, 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 eat. I'll go anywhere here is eat. Like, this is like a wreck. I kind of like that. REQ, wreck. <laughs> you know? I want to hear people start talking about wreck. YouTube optimization. Okay, anyway, last up here is a tweet from Jane Manchin Wong, our favorite, at Wong M. Jane on Twitter. And she found that Spotify is working on shareable quotes from podcast episodes. So you can take these, share these really easy. I love this, though. I am terrified. Don't, don't quote me, bro. That's Quote all. Shep. Shep's funny. <laughs> Quote Shep. She's, she's good. <laughs> all right, that's, all, that's it for Organic Bud. What's happening in social? All right. Happy holidays, everyone. Welcome to July. So according to new data from Pinterest, holiday searches were up even back in April, year over year. We're talking 77%. What? Yeah. Do, who are these people? Well, so... <sighs> I don't know. People have the COVID blues. I think they were already dreaming about Christmas. I think in April, normally people are like ready for summer. Are you talking but... about the toes? <laughs> the COVID toes. The COVID blues. Because <laughs> yeah, because if you get COVID toes, they are blue. Yep. Yeah. Sad face. No, I think people are just depressed and they're planning. But I mean, at this point, we're in July, so I don't know. It seems early, but people are talking about it. So 
Pinterest has already released a report on holiday trends for the year, as well as a holiday hub that they're going to continue to update with new insights and resources for brands. Facebook is joining in the reindeer games as well. They launched their 2020 holiday marketing guide this week. We're going to have links to all of these in the show notes. So if you want Pinterest or Facebook or both, you can get them. My question for you guys though, is given these trends, do you think QVC's Christmas in July, this question is mostly for Shep, is it going to be Christmas in April yet next year? Or what do you think? I don't know. They're starting it now this year. What are you buying? Um, No, I've never bought anything for Christmas in July. I can't. I'm against that. Okay. I'm all about like day after Thanksgiving, it's Christmas, but July, April, no. Um, Yeah, they'll probably do move Christmas in July for April. Why wouldn't they take the opportunity? Maybe they'll just do both and then you'll have more stuff that you don't need to buy. Yeah, love it. Perfect. All right. More from Pinterest. The platform is testing a new revenue share ad model that makes publishers responsible for creating content, particularly videos around the brand that's being sponsored. It's cool though, because they can do it in their own style. The brand's not creating the content, the creator is. So it keeps it very on brand with what you're used to seeing from that creator. It lends nice legitimacy to it. The test though, this article made me laugh. It's Taste Made doing a series of recipe videos for Frito, which Digiday specifically noted as a corn chip snack. Like who doesn't know what a Frito is? <laughs> are, are there good. other Fritos? They are good. They're so good. They're like so plain, just salty. I love them. salty. Yeah. Okay. So everyone knows what Fritos are, Digiday. Sorry. In other testing news, you guys might remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the double row of stories that Instagram was testing. They're taking that to the next level now and they're running. It's a very limited experiment now, but in that double row, there's now going to be a see all stories button that you can click and it expands it to your entire phone screen. It's just those stupid circle profile pictures, your entire phone. It's boring and busy at the same time. It's really stupid. And I love Instagram stories. So that's hard for me to say, but I don't think we need it. Hopefully the test will show that. It's like polka dot for your phone. Yeah, but it's like, it's dumb. It's everybody's face. Nobody stands out. It's completely unnecessary. We have some LinkedIn news by way of Matt Navarra at Matt Navarra on Twitter. Page managers will be happy to know that new follower analytics have been added to the platform. So that's nice. It's always nice to know more about who's interested in your business. So I think this is great. I just hope that we don't discover a major shortcoming with it like we have with other recent announcements from LinkedIn aka engagement remarketing audiences. Speaking of LinkedIn content creation on the platform is up 60% compared to last year, which shouldn't be a surprise. In general, engagement is up pretty significantly too. People are not working or if they are, they're trying to be really valuable. So it makes sense that they're engaging on the platform. So there's a really nice recap. Matt Southern did an article for SEJ on what's trending content-wise as far as um, things that have picked up the TLDR, if you don't feel like reading it. Business continuity, remote work, and various tech-related topics are obviously super hot right now. Again, given the pandemic makes sense. And hashtag marketing is among the top five hashtags being used on LinkedIn since April. So that's us, oh. guys. <laughs> what about crush it? I don't know that he didn't say what I think he gave two examples. I don't remember what the other one was, but crush it was not it may it could be though in the work from home life. We don't know. (laughs) Facebook has a new warning that is going to pop up when users attempt to share a link to content that's more than 90 days old. They say this is an effort to quell the spread of misinformation when people share outdated news. And that's a nice thought. I think especially given the pandemic times like guidelines are changing so rapidly that old news, you know, maybe isn't great in that respect, but not 
all old news is incorrect news. And again, Matt Southern here wrote a nice article on it. And he specifically noted that this could hurt traffic to older pages if you have a good evergreen piece of content out there that's still relevant, but it's just dated way back, this could hurt you. So keep an eye on your analytics if that is you. And from the screenshots that I saw, the warning, it just says like this article is over a year old and you can either continue or go back. I, I don't think the language you're using really addresses the problem well. I don't know that too many people are going to click that learn more bubble to see why they're getting this warning. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think this is too much. I don't know what you guys think. I Do like it. I like it. Do? I think a lot of people that in general will share something and you don't know it. And it's like, you're not meaning to put something out out of date. You're not meaning to share something incorrect. So, I mean, they're not like trying to shame you. Like you didn't read the article, you know, they're just <laughs> like, Hey, what you're sharing is kind of old. You cool with that? And you're like, Oh, sure. I think you're just saying that. Cause I said, I thought you wouldn't like it. I like it. No. <laughs> they're trying. They're doing their best. Well, Reddit is also trying. They've updated their content policy to more explicitly ban hate speech. Consequently, they've shut down over 2,000 subreddits, including the underscore, underscore Donald and Chapo Trap House for violating these new policies. And those headliners are obviously political subreddits on both sides, which is worth noting, but that's not necessarily the theme here. Other subreddits that have been banned include humor, which I'll put in air quotes because hate speech isn't funny, um, and some really NSFW stuff that I'm just not going to say out loud. But on a positive note, a lot of these banned subreddits were inactive, and only about 10% of them had more than 10 active daily users. So there's not as much nasty stuff going on, hopefully, as we thought. Um, there's what? some nice quotes. I mean, there's a lot. There, there's porn on Reddit. Well, that was the NSFW stuff, but like, there's nobody in these there. groups. They, yeah, that, that's but it's all not. Still there. It's not like hate speech. Well, yeah, there's there's not that. This is specifically about that. That's yeah. love. <laughs> Chef with the positive spin. <laughs> Greg. Greg is gone. So I don't know if we're going to keep this in the show or not because Greg has disappeared. But for those that are listening and not watching, he just slid completely out of frame. Chef, you're amazing. <laughs> he thinks better than hate speech. <sighs> It's true. I, I ship that. All right. Next up is an announcement from Facebook. They're launching a whole slew of new features and feature expansions to help creators and video publishers grow their business. Fan subscriptions and stars will be available, be available to more creators. So that's exciting for you, Greg. More importantly, Facebook has developed new ad formats to grow monetization opportunities and video content, which is really, really great. And they've also made some updates to Creator Studio so that creators will have access to new video and comment analytics, as well as the ability to push and schedule posts to Facebook right from within the Creator Studio app, which I didn't realize you couldn't do before. So that's really nice. And speaking of really nice, LinkedIn is doing some very platform appropriate things to help job seekers. They've added a new open for work frame that users can add to their profile photos to help them stand out as actively seeking opportunities. And then on the flip side, if you have something to offer others, there's a new offer help option for posts where you can call out your willingness basically to assist with things like referrals, career coaching, and more. So I think these are really, really nice touches. This makes a lot of sense for LinkedIn, so much so that I'm not even going to make fun of the new support reaction they added, which is clearly just a Facebook ripoff. Oh, it's a hugging heart. It's a little hand with a heart like floating over it. It's like a levitating hand. It's kind of witchy. I guess I, I support that. I don't know. It's We don't need that. We need more of the other stuff. Oh, the belated Valentine's Day gift you mean? <laughs> yeah. Give me the eye roll reaction. That's good. Every platform needs that. 
All right, YouTube is testing a new format called Shorts, which lets users record multiple video clips via the mobile app and upload them as one video. And it, if that sounds like anything else you know, it's very similar to TikTok, we think. There's not a lot of information out about this, about how it's actually gonna look, but the vibe is very similar. The video, of course, the full video has to be 15 seconds or less because these are called Shorts, not Longs. It's just a test, so you may not see it in your mobile app. But if you do, try it out. Speaking of apps, have you guys heard of Lasso? I think on the show, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, good news, you're never going to hear about it again. Facebook is shutting it down, and they're also killing off their app, Hobby. So it's more like Hobby. But I just got a hobby, Facebook. Don't shut it down now. (laughs) Put it on Tangy, Greg. And that brings us to our real-life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. Okay, so I recently noticed that when I'm pasting links into Twitter on desktop, it actually like shows you the link preview before you actually send it. So you can see like the full layout of your tweet and what it's going to look like and what that like little snippet from the website looks like when it comes in. And it sounds really small, but it's actually changed my life because you can actually know what it's going to look like. And I've had issues with it before. So I like it a lot. Love to see it. Awesome. So our agency, Cypress North, we do uh, web development as well as design on top of digital marketing, if folks didn't know. So on a project that I'm working on now, we are in the wireframe stage of a website redesign. And I just have to say that the tool we use to share our wireframes and other designs with our clients is really, really killer. It's called Preview, and basically it lets everyone look at the design in a browser and you see what it's going to look like in a browser. So it's a lot better than sharing like PDFs or even Photoshop files, things like that. And making notes with it is super easy too. You can just click on things and comment. And a lot of times we use Dropbox for that, for internally at least making comments on things, and that tends to be really, really slow. So this is just a really, really awesome tool. And if you don't already have a solution for something like this, it's called Preview. Again, it's P-R-E-V-U-E, and you can go to preview.com it and play around with it there's a free trial it's just really handy super simple love it and for me i've got something hardly working in my accounts and it's scheduling meetings so we have moved to zoom and that's where you can see us our zoom recording over on search engine journal and youtube and i'm trying to schedule everything in zoom and i can't get rid of this pesky google meet when i do it online on the google calendar app and I turn it off. This is what I do the first thing as I turn it off. And then I go through and I get everything loaded and then hit Zoom Meet and adds Google Meet to it. And Google Meet is hardly working because what you're doing is you're adding on another meeting and another link to my accounts. And I don't know how to turn you off. And hopefully somebody out there will tell me how to do it. I went to the settings and calendar. I can't find any way to turn this thing off. But when I automatically create using the Zoom app, it makes a Google Meet app for me and it drives me crazy. Yeah, and, and we've, had, we've had meetings where some people show up in the Google and some people show up in the Zoom and it's, it's very confusing. Yeah, don't let me, let me just uh, not auto turn it on. That's all I want. Just yeah. turn it off. Stop trying to make Google Meet happen. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? <laughs> just get rid of it. I'm over it. Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. 
Okay, so for this week's WTH, we definitely are going to need to get hope on the blower because this is a TikTok story. This was brought to our attention by Dan Akbioni. Is that it? At D1RTY Dan on Twitter. So, Dirty Dan? Is it? Oh, wow. Yeah. After I made my dirty joke, I missed that. Okay. So he says, quote, a guy on Reddit reverse engineered TikTok. Here's what he found. I looked at the screenshot from Reddit and there's nothing to say that it is a guy. So I'm, I like to assume it's a lady that reverse engineered TikTok. So we're going to go forward with that. So anyway, he or she or they did the Lord's work here. This is truly fascinating, and it should really be a true crime documentary, not a Twitter thread and a screenshot. And I had to type everything because I couldn't even copy and paste. So just buckle up. So she says, TikTok is a data collection service that is thinly veiled as a social network. If there is an API to get information on you, your contacts, or your device, well, they're using it. So here's some things they're getting. Phone hardware, other apps you have installed, Everything network related, whether or not you're rooted or jailbroken, some variants of the app had GPS pinging enabled runs roughly once every 30 seconds. This is enabled by default if you ever location tag a post in the app. They set up a local proxy server on your device for transcoding media, that's in quotes, but that can be abused very easily and has zero authentication. Then it goes on to say, everything gets creepier and creepier. Then it goes on to say they have several different protections in place to prevent you from reversing or debugging the app. App behavior changes slightly if they know you're trying to figure out what they're doing. That's so creepy. On top of all this, they weren't using HTTPS for the longest time. They leaked users' email addresses and their secondary emails used for password resets. They also leaked users' real names and birthdays. To entice people to stay on the platform, they give them a little taste of fame. Your first TikTok will likely garner quite a bit of likes, regardless of how good it is. Okay, I would like to disprove that because my first TikTok did not get that many likes. I think I was complaining because at the beginning of the pandemic, only strawberry ice cream was available at the supermarket. Like every other flavor of ice cream was sold out and I was so upset. So I made a TikTok about it. And I think I got 30 likes. It's funny because like that that talk was so bad it like broke the algorithm and couldn't even do well <laughs> like like this is just too first world problem for this uh, for this platform strawberry is no. delicious no. there's real chunks of fruit oh you guys can get out of here <laughs> no, you young people and then when you did other posts they got more likes or no or are they all um stickers? i'm kind of like average i probably averaged out at around 30 likes i don't know Baller. Okay, so that's pretty good for your first one. I wait, guess, wait, wait. what do you define as good? <laughs> Not being on TikTok. Um, no. What, how, did, how many likes did the Cash Me Outside video dance get? Yeah. Oh, oh I, what did we, she didn't, we didn't film it yet. Are you still working on it? <laughs> what did you yeah, call it, though? Because meet, my friend get me has... Out, meet me outside. <laughs> meet me outside. No, DaBaby, DaBeb. My friend has to learn the dance. I, I know the dance, but she has to learn it. So I'm waiting for her and then we have to film it. But oh my God, she needs to get it together. What are her priorities? I know. She's making WordPress know. stories instead. <laughs> anyway, in the middle of a paragraph in this whole Reddit thread, it says, there are a bunch of 40 to 50 year old men doing duets with eight year old kids. It's just <laughs> like in the middle of the part about security. 
And it's like, that is so creepy. And I want a whole episode of the documentary to be about these duets. What is happening? Yeah, it's really bad. I just it's love really that bad. they're like, we're going to spy on people. And let's pretend that's what's happening. We're like, oh, yeah, whoever made this app, we're going to spy on people. And they get the information and are like, wow, these people are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what, what are we going to do with this information? <laughs> like, well, and they're like, they're it's the most useless. Infor- yeah. Like, they have yeah. no buying power. It's not idiots, it's just creeps. And I'm, I don't understand how this is a surprise. Like, we literally, didn't this come out a year ago that the military banned TikTok for security reasons? Like, we know it's owned by a Chinese corporation or whatever. Like, I'm not, I feel like people aren't surprised. I'm not surprised. It's creepy. I'm surprised people still use it. Yeah. People don't care. Again. I got rid of it. I got rid of it this week, but. I Before just, the dance? Yeah. She'll get Where you got the dance? What if she learns the dance now? We'll film it on her TikTok. And the best part of this whole TikTok thing that we still haven't really seen the realization of, at least here in New York State yet, is are people going to do these dances in bars? Oh, Oh. they're already doing them in clubs. No. Yes. You can. (laughs) You can what? Walk into a bar and you'll immediately know who Gen Z is because they're in a group (laughs) on the dance floor doing TikTok dances. There's videos of it already happening. understand they don't look cool when they do that right you don't know what cool is anymore bud i sure do i I am the bee's knees (laughs) (laughs) exactly so anyway this very smart um lady nerd who did all this reverse engineering that i could never do and brought this to her attention she concludes by saying for what it's worth she also reverse engineered instagram facebook reddit and twitter apps and they don't collect anywhere near the same amount of data that TikTok does. And it's just very disturbing. And because it's a Chinese corporation. I have a conspiracy theory. What if this story was leaked by somebody at TikTok because they want you to know how much data you have on people so you sign up for the new ad platform that they just launched last week? That would be the worst <laughs> idea ever. <laughs> Everyone else would be so disturbed. <laughs> like if you wanted to target, if, say you have a duet class coming up and you want to target 40 to 50-year-old men and 8-year-old <laughs> children, like this is your platform. <laughs> Kick it over that. It's so disturbing. Don't sing with people on TikTok. Like, you don't know them. Don't sing with underage people. Oh, wait. These Just, people aren't in the same room? If you see a video you like, you can duet it, and it'll share screen the two videos. No. Okay, this is information we needed. Yeah, yeah. I thought these were just like... No. So you can just, in their that's like singing. Cindy Lauper when she went on that uh, Christmas song with Frank Sinatra after he already died and he didn't consent to it. That's mm-hmm. terrible. Yeah, this so it's, a... <laughs> yeah, you can turn off duetting, but literally a creepy old man is just sitting there watching videos and he can take your video and like share the screen with it and make new videos with it. Why are you on TikTok, Hope? Everyone turn off duetting. I deleted it. <laughs> I voiced these concerns very early on. I was like, this is a really creepy pa- platform. I'm telling you, it's not Vine. Nothing can ever be Vine. I don't even know how to describe it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Okay, over to something better. It's our grab bag. The segment, segments. So first up, we have show notes. There was a tweet that all of the videos of the Paid Search Association Conference 2020, the PSAC, I think that's a hashtag, the official one, the PSAC 20, that's it. You can get all of those videos if you would like and head on over to our show notes, marketingclock.com to see that. Next up, 
Jess made it funny. Jess responded to Morning Brew, who is sneaky good at social. Are they just like a newsletter? What is Morning Brew? I don't even know. I just responded to them because I kind of thought they were a good question. Okay, I know their newsletter. They have Marketing Brew, some other stuff now, but Jess responded to write a business horror story using just three words. And Jess wrote close variant matching. I was pretty proud of that. I loved it. Thank you. And next up, we have extra, extra spice served up just for you. If you enjoy the show, you should definitely check out Mark Saltarelli's tweets. He is on our team and does these amazing like 20 part recaps every week with all the insights and input that we need. So if you didn't listen last week, Twitter basically wouldn't say why people were seeing more ads in their feed and just said they were, quote, constantly innovating and testing when asked. And Mark said, constantly innovating and testing is business speak for we're procrastinating. (laughs) I love it. So good. You think Mark, how many TikToks do you think Mark has? Oh, zero. Zero? Zero. I bet he's got a He doesn't even have a Bitmoji. No. Well, he does have like 10 Twitter accounts, he told me. so. Like seven, I think. Maybe he has TikTok. I bet he's got a TikTok. I hope hope he doesn't do it. Well, you're going to have to follow at Mark underscore from underscore MKTG. And now for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's cool tool is something we all know and love, Screaming Frog. I know we've talked about it a lot on the show and a lot of our listeners probably already use it, but for those that don't know or don't yet love it, Screaming Frog is a killer site crawling tool. But the reason that we're featuring it this week is they've just announced their latest update, version 13.0, and it comes with some great new features such as near duplicate content analysis, spelling and grammar checks, which is awesome. Great to have improved link data, security checks, and loads more. So, if you use Screaming Frog, go download the update. And if you don't, there's never been a better time to try it out. There's a free version if you want to dip your toes before diving in. So, head on over to screamingfrog.co.uk and check it out. Yeah, the GIF on near duplicate content analysis is amazing. If you've got a lot of stuff on your site, don't miss it. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. All right, this week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from Susan Wadegrad over on AimClear, the CMO at AimClear, also the paid lead writer on Search Engine Journal. And she has a new post out about Searchify, your shopping and how you can use supplemental feeds within Google Shopping. She talks about selling with a brand versus selling with search, automatic feed shortcomings, supplemental feeds in the Merchant Center, how you can use those supplemental feeds for Google Sheets and search-friendly titles, and then lastly, how you can override your sheet to the Merchant Center. So basically, how you can take this new shopping experience like we've talked about many times. Obviously, Google is focused on how you can searchify it. Loved it. Check it out. Don't miss it if you have any products you're selling. All right. That does it for today's show. Thank you to our fabulous sponsors, Ahrefs and Optio. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from today's show on marketingoclock.com. And while you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week.
Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If today's show was of value to you, please subscribe, leave a review, or share with a colleague. If you are looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. Welcome to this week's Shooting the Hack, where after our famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just... Shoot the hack. So on this week's edition, we are going to play a game. Um, it's not everyone's favorite game, but it's my favorite game. I just came up with a bunch of random trivia about fireworks um, to commemorate the holiday weekend, and we're going to see how you guys do. Okay, who wants to go first? Me. What organization is accredited for many of our current laws and regulations regarding fireworks? A, the Light Pollution Elimination League. B, the Society for the Suppression for Unnecessary Noise. C, National Fallen Firefighters Association, or D, the Bureau for Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms? It's got to be D, the ATF. No, it's B. Noise suppression? Yeah, so it was like some lady in like the 1900s. She was really into um, sound pollution, and she came up with laws in New York City that they instituted in other places. Does this exist today? Because I've had fireworks going off at 2 a.m. every night. For the past month? I was waiting for someone to bring that up. It's crazy. There's so many fireworks, June and July. It's been nonstop. What's what going on? What are going to do? What? This has never, ever happened before. It's never been this bad. It's There's weird. lots of conspiracy theories around I know. It. Oh, you know, I know all about them. Okay, so Jess, you didn't get a point. Can you remember that, please? <laughs> <laughs> Write that down, Jess. Yeah, I have one point so far. Okay, uh, Greg, you can be next. What color firework is the most expensive? I'm not blue. giving you options. Blue. Oh, man. It is blue. I always thought it was purple, and I thought everyone thought that. Oh. <laughs> Hi. Who set off the first firework in the U.S.? Thomas Jefferson, Martin Van Buren, William Bradford, John Smith, or Will Turner? Who was the third one you listed off? William Bradford? Yeah, sure. No, it was John Smith. <laughs> the answer was in the show, Hope. Filling out forms, lighting What fireworks. are the chances? <laughs> okay, so Greg has one. You guys have zero. Okay, so for the next round, I'm giving you guys all four firework names. Three are real and one I made up. And you have to guess which one's fake. Jess. Horsetail, waterfall, ring, or croset? Croset. Nope, that's real. Those are like the really pretty ones. Waterfall was fake. Oh. Okay, Greg. Dragon, willow, chrysanthemum, or pearls? Pearls. No, pearls is real. Dragon was fake. Really? Yeah. I have to, we'll, we'll have to put in the show notes, there's a picture of all of them, and it's cool to actually see the names and not just be like, it's the one that goes, <laughs> Somebody <laughs> cut that sound bite, please. I know Thank exactly you. what firework you're talking about, too. Hope. Peony, Comet, Fingers of God, or Palm? Fingers of God? Yeah, that was fake. Let's go. All right. Okay, last round of questions. Jess, what is the only state to completely ban consumer fireworks in the U.S.? New York. No, I couldn't believe this one. It's Massachusetts. I'm yeah. about to move to Massachusetts if the fireworks oh, wait, don't no. stop. <laughs> okay, Greg, I oh, found well, some yeah, random anyway. article. <laughs> I found some random Yahoo article from 2015 that listed the best five states to drive two to five fireworks. Can you name one? South Dakota. No. 
Indiana, Missouri, South Carolina, Texas, and Pennsylvania. I thought I was going to say Texas. Pennsylvania. Last question for Hope. What was okay. the what is the largest fireworks show in the United States every year? Where or what? What, where, whatever. I don't get option. No. Uh, New York City? Yeah. I thought you were going to think it's Disney. Everyone thinks I'm it's unstoppable. Disney. No, it's Macy's for sure. Yeah, it's the Macy's 4th of July. Um, okay, what's everyone's score? <laughs> Hope has two. I have one. Jess has zero. Okay. Winner! Hope wins, and we'll see you next week.